Welcome back to the 2 in 1 Golf Podcast. This is episode 53. Um, no no Madison today, but you have myself, Sterling Simmons, and also we are joined now with Mikey Avina, who is kind of back. Not really sure. Mike, what's the update? So I am still dealing with a herniated disc. I'm well enough to be able to continue to sit in a chair after 5 o'clock and can record but uh not quite off injured reserve i did hit a couple golf shots in the simulator on saturday when uh when i took rita so you know did not die when i hit those two (laughs) golf shots so that was uh that was a good thing but you know still feeling some pain still not able to walk a very long distance or anything like that but getting a little bit better every day so you know still optimistic still enthusiastic so, awesome thanks for well, asking we, uh, yeah we're happy to have you back um so in this episode we're gonna do a quick recap of the hero world challenge and scotty scheffler um i know i also want to talk about morikawa and his uh two-stroke penalty that he was assessed uh thank you to matthew fitzpatrick also john ron potentially going to live golf even though live golf and the pga tour are supposed to merge apparently um the golf ball rollback i believe we have two different opinions on that topic so it should be a good conversation and then uh, i guess we're going to pick a team for the grant thornton invitational um i gotta take a look at the field i'm not really sure who's playing it but uh yeah that's gonna all be in today's episode so to start the hero world challenge this past weekend Congratulations to Scotty Scheffler. He shot four rounds in the 60s to win by three. Um, You know, I remember, Mike, last year before the waste management, we kind of joked and we forgot that Scotty Scheffler was on the PGA Tour, even though he was, you know, still top probably two or three in the world. Kind of the same thing here for me. I don't think Madison and I talked about Scotty Scheffler at all uh, in the last episode. Uh, what are your thoughts on his win and his performance? Yeah, I don't remember you guys talking about him, and I'm I'm wondering if Scotty had truly become the uh, you know the forgotten man of the PGA Tour. So you know, I think that uh, you know it, you can't read too much into this, but I do feel like these guys are competitive enough. They have enough fire in their belly that at least the ones who were in contention on Sunday were actually still trying. It might be a hit and giggle for 15 out of the 20 once you get to that point. But, you know, Scotty probably beat about five or so guys who were actually actually trying. So there's something for that. There's some money on the line. There's some world ranking points. There's a kind of cool trophy with a tiger and a globe. And, you know, it's something else to to put on the mantelpiece um putting did look a lot better at least until coming down the stretch on uh on sunday where you know i think one got away from him on on 17 but it sounded like the the strokes gain putting was pretty good at least for the first three days and you know sounds like uh between work he was doing with phil kenyon and that new putter from who was it the Olsen twins that are making this um no Logan Olsen I believe so you know little boutique putter maker there um if Scotty can putt 
like that for four rounds in important golf tournaments, um, he's going to be a heck of a lot better than he was last year. So, you know, there's yeah, that. And, you know, he may not have to go up against the best player in the world either to do it. And that is very true. That is very, very true. We're going to, I guess we're going to see what happens with this. We're all kind of waiting with bated breath with this whole will he, won't he thing that's been going on for, what, the better part of a week now? Yeah, it's definitely been, yeah, you know, a week. I think maybe even a week and a half. Uh, rumors of John Rahm potentially getting signed to live for over $500 million. Um, which is, it's a lot of money. I mean, if you're John Rom, you definitely have to take a look at it. Uh, you'd be stupid not to. Um, my whole confusion with the situation is that the PIF uh, and the PGA Tour, I believe they were supposed to be meeting in early December to figure out some sort of uh, merger. I'm not 100% sure on the entire situation. Maybe you have more information, Mike, but aren't they merging and isn't it just going to be the same thing so why would live spend 500 plus million dollars for a guy that they're just going to have on the pj tour anyways yeah and there's been a lot of things a lot of things floating around on that merger is the framework agreement actually going to happen i believe today was the original deadline now of course we all know deadlines aren't worth the you know email that they're that they're stored in so you know they can change the deadline and make it whatever they want i i have heard some interesting conspiracy theories that with the pga tour having uh, you know having entertained offers i don't know if they've solicited them but at least entertained offers from folks like endeavor and fenway sports group and friends of golf and various other obscenely wealthy people slash organizations that maybe this is a play on the part of the PIF and the Saudis to say, look, we're going to, we're going to take ROM. So you need to make sure that we are front and center in this deal. I mean, I never really thought that there was a world that, the Saudi PIF would not be a significant part of what's going forward because the PGA tour just can't afford to compete. And, you know, even private equity groups can't afford to compete with a sovereign wealth fund that can frankly spend as much money as it wants to and has a, you know, has an investment horizon that's a heck of a lot longer than anyone else is really willing to tolerate. So, you know, it, it kind of makes sense if they've got to put a little money in John's pocket. And then when Yasser's talking to Jay this week saying, look, man, you know, we got your, you know, one of your best, most marketable stars. And it'd be an awful shame if anything happened to any of the others. So let's stop messing around and just get this deal done. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I mean, um, it, it could be. You know, this could all be, you know, a, a negotiating ploy that, that John is completely cut in on and he gets to, you know, potentially cash a, a real fat check and, you know, we can get this 
get this agreement hammered out and if they want to cut in Fenway Sports or anyone like that the Saudis probably aren't going to care too much as long as as long as they're the primary partner here you know they're going to be the ones calling the shots because they're the ones holding the big bag You know, one, yeah. one thing that I do think is interesting, though, is groups that put forth bids that are not any longer under consideration. And I'm really thinking about Endeavor. Like, if this doesn't get sorted out, could Endeavor and Ari Emanuel decide, look, we're going to put up a whole bunch of money for five or six really big tournaments and have the 20 most important pros in the world playing those too and you know jay hey we tried to do business with you and you said no so we're gonna do our own thing yeah. and then it could be complete chaos yeah potentially no more pga tour basically and that's and that's the thing is i feel like the tour is really the organization that's got the the target on its back and they've got to mm-hmm. they've got to make something happen and they got to do it fairly quickly because there are plenty of other folks out there with more money than brains who could fund professional golf for a long long time yeah i mean we should know something hopefully soon um i know john rom potential other big stars would be a huge loss to the pga tour uh, but we'll see we'll have to just uh I'll just wait and see what what can we do, Mike? I mean, we're just two guys talking about it. We're just two guys talking about it. Um, the powers that be are really not consulting us. I mean, it'd be great if Jay and Yasser are listening to this. If they are, I'm going to ask you both to, you know, let's get this deal done and let's start moving forward because I think, you know, we'd all rather be talking about actual golf and not talking about framework agreements and not, you know, worried about legal discovery and all this, uh, all this other stuff. It would be really, really, really nice if we could just get all of the best male professional golfers in the world to be playing tournaments together. I don't think there's a world where the Saudis are not involved in golf after this. That that's not that's not an option. So let's all you know. Let's all sit down. Let's act like grown-ups. Let's make nice. Let's make a deal, and then let's you know, let's all get on with it. Yeah. Are you surprised that this is kind of coming back around um, two years after Liv has started? Like this is now. We hadn't had any rumors for a long time. I feel like Liv has been doing its thing. PJ Tour has been doing its thing, and now there's the merger, obviously, but. Are you surprised it's happening this late and lives like young creation? I'm not I'm not really surprised because I think that Liv was really just a a gambit by the Saudis to get access to big time professional golf. And that it was really kind of a no lose situation for them because you know on the one hand you know one side of the coin let's say live works and let's say they got most of the best players in the world well then they got what they wanted 
they control professional golf and they're getting everything that comes with that they're getting the prestige they're getting the status they're getting the access to you know golf crazy ceos all of the things that they want now let's say that live in and of itself doesn't really work but it forces the pga tour to the table and forces the tour to cut them in and make them a major player and then they get the access and they get you know they get that proximity to you know the golf crazy ceos and all of those other things and either way they get what they want out of this they become a major player in professional golf so you know again i i I don't really see a downside and this was just you know how do we force this inevitability to happen and you know keep it from being like this long drawn out like five six year war of attrition and instead let's just bring everything to a head so yeah you know if they've got to throw five six hundred million at a john rom in order to get a deal done again you know when you've when you're sitting on you know what nearly a trillion dollars i think the piff is worth you can you can make that work you you can you can find a way to make that work i'll need to check that number as far as how big the piff is but (laughs) all good um now moving back to the hero world challenge we have to talk tiger woods um i predicted that he would finish 15th um and i believe i thought there were only 18 players playing in this thing apparently there's 20 20 yeah um so he finished 18th and i'll be honest mike if you listen to the episode last week i was talking how tiger is going to finish ahead of three people to get that 15th place Mm -hmm. really he finished three from the bottom finished third from the bottom so uh, i wasn't too far off i predicted will zell torres who's coming back off of a back injury um i said ricky fowler who he finished 17th and also said justin rose but justin rose finished t8 so i was way off on justin rose um and but, I, like, tiger go ahead i was gonna say i'm sure you're glad to be wrong about rosie though right um no i mean Again, it's the Hero World Challenge. He finished T8. It wasn't like he went out there and won the thing. I think this is a tournament where if you don't win, no one really remembers where you finished. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I can't say I was glad that he finished better than that. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, Tiger Woods, 75, 70, 71, 72. So he felt great after each round said that you know after completing the round on saturday he said that playing a tournament once a month is definitely a possibility um you know he's you could definitely tell and obviously he was a little rusty um putting himself in some some bad positions um as as far as chipping into the greens uh, just kind of leave himself some tough tough up and downs um but you know even par four rounds we'll see him at the pnc I believe next weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, just what are your thoughts on his weekend as a whole? So, I think you know it's it's fun to see Tiger back and competing. It's fun to hear Tiger speak after competing. 
I don't know if you'd ever said this before, but talking about the the difference between you know practice speed and game speed, I love how Tiger likes to make golf out to be you know like NFL football or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never thought about the difference between practice speed and game speed in professional golf i gotta i gotta be honest but to hear tiger talk that way is just always it's just always awesome to uh you know to hear how he can how he can express himself in the terms of uh of other sports because you know obviously tiger is a uh, is a phenomenal athlete I i think that like one of the most interesting things to me was the dissection of well how is he walking how is he moving how does he look in the in the post-round press conferences and you know i've heard that albany's a a pretty easy walk but it certainly looked like he was feeling halfway decent after Mm -hmm. each round he was not dragging himself across the finish line you know no chance of having to make an early exit or anything like that so i mean just that is you know just that is kind of cause for you know cause for optimism so hopefully a lot of those problems that he'd had in the past that were keeping him from being able to really be competitive for four rounds if those are in the rearview mirror and it really is just a matter of knocking off some rust and you know, getting some tournament reps and, you know, being able to operate at game speed again, then, hey, I mean, who knows? Who knows? We could have we could have some excitement in the Masters. We could have some excitement in the Open Championship. The, uh, the U.S. Open is at Pinehurst number two, right? Mm-hmm. So if they get that hard and fast, I think that's someplace you can definitely compete. And then the PGA is at Valhalla, right? Yeah. So Kentucky in May, probably going to be hot and humid and soft and crappy. Mm. Maybe not so much yeah, there. That one, yeah, that one could definitely cause uh, some issues for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, after four days and, and hearing that he's basically pain-free i know he's still going through all the recovery treatment and prep work before and after the rounds right um there's there's also rumors out there mike that he might walk next week at the pnc you know he he usually takes a cart i know he usually takes a cart and he just walked four competitive rounds so to do that two weeks in a row man can you imagine can you imagine what people are going to be saying oh my god love it absolutely love do, it content do you think answer. he wins in the next if if tire can stay healthy let's say he plays you know five or six tournaments in 24 and let's say he ramps it up to 10 events in 25 uh, i think that's a big ask i, know. I think that's a big I know. ask i know let's just we're just putting it an, an if out there in the world okay all right if he can play 10 events do you think he can get a win in the next two years? If he can play 15 events over the next two years, and he's very intentional about what he picks, mm-hmm. and and 
I'll throw a little wild card in here, and I could see him even saying, you know, that a particular PGA Championship or particular U.S. Open venue might not be great for him, and and he maybe even sits out something like that. But he's at, he's at least very intentional with the non-majors that he picks. I think there's I think there's a decent possibility. I mean, after what we all saw in 2019, it's really difficult to count him out. If he's able to prepare and he's able to compete for four rounds and he's able to recover, you know, can you seriously tell me that if you give him 15 starts over two years, he won't win one of them? I don't want to be on the wrong side of that. Yeah. You can't yeah, you just can't doubt the man. I mean right. he's done pretty much everything there is to do in this, you know, stupid game of golf. Uh I think I did see also he jumped five hundred spots in the world ranking, which I think is a bit of a joke, so <laughs> because he he sends out the invitations and like he just sends one to himself so like he can kinda control his own world golf ranking. Um but yeah. I uh, also want to hop Go ahead. I was going to say, it's not an awesome look that this tournament gets OWGR points, but, mm-hmm. you know, that 500, that 500 spots that he jumped, he's pretty, pretty far down there. Pretty yeah. far down there. I think anybody who's down there in that realm who gets a PGA Tour start and even makes a cut is probably making that kind of a jump so and when you're tiger you can pretty much do whatever you want in golf you know i mean you've 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 earned it yeah um let's talk colin morikawa yeah and Matthew let's, let's talk colin morikawa um so did you hear everything that's kind of going on with that situation so Colin Morikawa and his caddy. I'm I'm assuming this part of it, but I'm assuming they were using some sort of level or some sort of percent slope device in a practice round, and they wrote it down in their book. That is my book, which that is my understanding as well. That they brought a level, probably a spirit level. Not that anyone has, not that any of us have done a podcast on how one might use a level in your feet to try to read uh try to read greens but uh yeah that they did that they brought a level out they took some measurements and then they made the fatal they committed the fatal mistake of writing it down in his yardage book correct and referring to it now, during competition yes so i believe last year everyone had the percent slopes in their books last year as in 2022 Mm -hmm. sounds okay so every player when they arrived that week got a yardage book with the updated um course layout Mm -hmm. as well as the slopes on the green so everyone had that information going into 2023 uh pga tour i believe um, or the USGA and Arnie, I'm not 100% sure, basically announced that that will no longer be allowed in competition. Um, you can still go out and use 
the level and all that in the practice rounds, you just can't write anything down in your book. Right. Now, you can memorize it mm-hmm. if you wish to do so. It just can't be written in that book. And what happened was is Colin Morikawa and Matthew Fitzpatrick are playing together on Saturday, and Colin asked his caddy, like, what do you think about this putt here? Or I don't know if he said, what's the slope here? But the caddy looks down at the book, looks up at Colin, and says two. And after the round, Matthew Fitzpatrick goes to the rules official and says, I think, like, I thought we weren't allowed to have anything written down in our books. Rules official says, you're correct, you cannot. And then I think the rules official said, why, what happened? And then that's when Fitzpatrick said, I saw Colin's caddy, you know, look down at the book, tell him the exact percent slope, and then relay that information to to Colin. And I think that's how the whole situation kind of went down. I was listening to the foreplay podcast and Danny Rapp is a a close friend of Matthew Fitzpatrick. And um, that's kind of how he explained it on their podcast. So wouldn't exactly look at Rappaport as a uh, completely neutral third party on this, but yeah, that's my, that's my understanding as well. And also potentially Fitzpatrick was asking the rules official because he would like to do it too. He was wondering mm-hmm. if it was okay, because if it was okay, you know, data nerd extraordinaire, Matthew Fitzpatrick would love to put those kinds of notes in his yardage book, which, yeah, you know, if that's legal, which it's not totally, totally understandable. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my understanding of it as well. Um, so don't know that Fitzpatrick was necessarily trying to tattle on Morikawa, but certainly that's the way it came out. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's tough being a young American looking at this situation. Um, the guy just beat us in the Ryder Cup, and I don't know, like, he's kind of a, a nerd in a way, um, so like I, I I view it as like he's just being a snitch like straight up, like you. They finished pretty close together on the leaderboard. I think with the two stroke penalty or without the two stroke penalty, Morikawa would have lost to him by one. Uh, instead, he loses by three. Um, I don't know. It's just a tough look. That could just be. Well, I'm still a little salty from the Ryder Cup. I, and I think that that's certainly something that needs to be taken into account. But Sterling, you know where I grew up. Right, mm-hmm. you know, and and you know what we say, snitches get stitches. So <laughs> I feel like it's one of two things. Either, I mean, honestly, as as I say this, sure, Fitzpatrick might have just been asking, "Is this okay?" Because if it's okay, I want to do it. But he should have known that this would be the end result. And if he was truly trying to turn him in, like I've heard a lot of people talking about, oh, he's protecting the field. I feel like you take Morikawa aside, mano a mano, and you say, look, man, you know what you're doing. It's not cool. Knock it off. 
Let's yeah, keep, you just, do it. Let's on keep this. this between you and me. Let's keep this between you and me. No one else needs to know about this. But you know, throw your yardage I, book away, erase the slopes, whatever. It's bullshit that you're doing it, and no one else is doing it. I think the real BS part about it, Mike, is that he waited until after the round. There's a rules official with every group. Yep. You saw it happen. Mm-hmm. Why not do it right then and there? Yep. What is it? Like, I feel like the, the rules in golf, like, I feel like everything takes place after the round when it comes to, like, rulings like this. Mm-hmm. I feel like that happens so often. Well, and honestly, Morikawa's lucky that the rules have changed and that it was only a two-stroke penalty and not disqualification. Yeah, that's true. So, now, so I don't love what Fitzpatrick did. However, I don't know that Morikawa acquitted himself all that well in the aftermath. Complaining about the rules official being a couple minutes late to their meeting, that's not a great look either. I think you take your penalty, you say, hand up, I messed up, not going to do it again, and you go about your business. Don't complain. Privately complain all you want, but don't complain publicly. Don't complain to the media about the fact that the rules official was five minutes late to the meeting that he set up to tell you that you were going to get penalized. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, overall, solo seventh for Colin Morikawa, T4 for Matthew Fitzpatrick, um, and a nice vacation uh, at Albany. So, But, hey, does this create some beef? Does this create a little, you know, a little tension, a little rivalry, something that we could all chew on a little bit? I mean, that's one thing that would be great to have in golf is a little more a little more interpersonal tension. Yeah, so, that's a good point. Kind of here for that. Kind of funny that to... it would be between those two, but, you know. Yeah, like you wouldn't pick those two out to have that kind of beef. No. Conmore Cow is smiling, always pretty happy, mm-hmm. you know. Very calm, very a... composed, yeah. Mm-hmm. Matthew Patrick, the good old English boy. Doesn't really bother anyone else, I feel like, all the time. So, yeah, yeah definitely interesting situation. Um, now, the big news the last two or three days, some say it's a cover-up for John Rahm going to live. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> the USGA and RNA have announced that they are going to roll the golf ball back for everyone um, starting in 2030, and the PGA professionals and the high level professional events let's start using the new rollback golf ball in 2028 so mike we're just four years away from this thing um which i want to hear your thoughts and then uh i'll share mine and we can have a conversation so yeah just just four years away from it we've only been talking about this for how long and now it's been leaked that we are only four years away from something happening so yeah where where do we start 
honestly, for me, I was, I was pretty pro bifurcation because I, I love what Rory said. It's Rory must have been reading my mind. It's something that I've been thinking about for a while. In fact, I've started a couple blog posts and just never got around to finishing them about the fact that let's be real. The game is already bifurcated. Okay. PGA tour pros have access to equipment that you and I do not have access to. You know, we do not have access to drivers that get tested on CT machines and make sure that they are right at the edge of the legal limit but not over. They have access to balls that we can't get our hands on, or at least can't get our hands on very easily, like the like the Titleist left dot. So, you know, this whole argument of, oh, I want to play the same equipment as the pros. Well, guess what? I mean, we really, we really don't. We really don't. Now, that's off the table. That's off the table because certain interests didn't want that because they didn't think it'd be good for their bottom line. Okay. Yeah. They're self-interested understand that's, you know, they're in business to make money. So now we've got a rollback for everybody, which, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see a few things. I'm interested to see what the, actual impact on the recreational golfer who can't swing a driver 100 miles an hour what is it going to be because i'm hearing different things from different places i'm hearing some you know i'm hearing some people say oh you know it's going to be almost 15 yards just like for the pros and then i'm hearing other people that are saying no if you the average male swings at about 93 miles an hour and it's really only going to be about five yards for me personally the one so i'm in favor of the rollback let me just come right out and say i'm in favor of the rollback i would have preferred bifurcation but if we got to roll it back for everybody fine we got to roll it back for everybody what i think is that the usga is kind of missing the boat on their messaging and focusing so much on you know, the integrity of the competition. And they really need to focus more on the sustainability of the game of golf. And this is a conversation I was having with someone yesterday that to me, like I almost don't really care how far the pros hit it. And certainly if, if somebody hits it 310 instead of 317, I'm not going to notice. I'm not going to be able to tell on TV. But what is important is the fact that you know the two you know two of the biggest inputs that you need for golf land and water are both incredibly incredibly scarce and there are a lot of people out there who don't like golf and who want golf to go away and anything that we can do to make golf take less land and take less water is a good thing so you know even if it means you know if what this means is a golf course can close one or two of their back tees and not maintain them anymore not put water on them anymore not put fertilizer on them anymore 
not, you know, not mow them anymore. That to me is a good thing. Anything that we can do to make golf more sustainable and lessen the impact that it has on the environment, that's going to be a good thing. And I know like the water thing, it might not be that important to us where we live. We don't live in an area of water restrictions. We don't really live in an area where land is at a huge premium, but you get out West, you get into California, you know, water is scarce and mm -hmm. you know there 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 could be a day that there can't be golf west of the colorado river so like to me i feel like if the usga were smarter that is the message that they would be hammering is that we are trying to make golf more sustainable because how do you line up against that how do you say no i want golf to take more water you know so that's where I'm at. That's interesting. Yeah, okay. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I'll be honest. Didn't didn't see that argument coming out of you. That's a fair point. And I really can't argue against it. Um, so you think sorry, I was I was thinking that you were gonna go like you know, the golf courses are getting longer and longer and longer with this they can say the same you're saying they might even get shorter they can stop getting longer i think some can get shorter golf courses that are not hosting elite events mm -hmm. probably won't need that 7100 yard back tee i mean they can they're not going to be able to, they're not going to take 18 tee boxes out of play, but maybe they can take a couple where that yeah. tee box just holds the back, back black tee. And they can go from 7,100 yards and being a quote unquote championship golf course to being 6,900 yards, 6,800 yards. And again, just taking those couple tee boxes out of play and not maintaining them anymore, that's. You know that's fewer inputs it's also lowering the cost of maintenance and you know anything we can do to lower maintenance costs even a little bit that's going to help golf course operators and that's going to help golf courses stay in business yeah you know and to the people who are saying oh you're just going to need to build more forward tees man i mean you can stick a pair of T markers at the beginning of the fairway. Yeah. So you can miss me. You can miss me with that one. You're not <laughs> going to take back tees out of play and go spend a zillion dollars building new forward tees. Yeah. Again, like I said, I can't, I can't argue against that. Um, I don't know where I stand really with the rollback. I think it's cool to see people hit it. 317 instead of 310 um i don't have an issue with the bomb wedge golf um i'm trying to think what tournament probably had the highest score to par or you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. the closest score to par um this year but i mean there's still challenging tracks out there on the pga tour um and i don't really think we'll see a difference with the elite players to be honest 
I don't either. And again, that's why I, I think that I think that the USGA is really barking up the wrong tree with that argument. The other thing is, um, and, and I can't claim I can't claim this is an original idea. I gotta I gotta give credit to Andy Johnson on the fried egg pod. You're giving engineers a new constraint. You're giving engineers a new problem to solve. Guess what? They're probably going to solve it, and they're going to solve it in a way you weren't expecting. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if the new conforming ball can be hit just as far if it's hit in a little bit different way. Because, you know, the rules and the... I mean, really, they're not changing the rules. They're changing the testing, um, mm-hmm. the testing specs. So they're speeding up. Yeah, you know, they're speeding up the uh, the iron swing iron. speed at which yeah you know at which the the test club is going to be delivered. So it's going to be what 125 miles an hour with an 11 degree launch angle, and so maybe I'd- maybe what. You know, maybe what ball manufacturers are going to be able to do, I'm just spitballing here, but maybe ball manufacturers are going to be able to create a ball that, okay, yeah, it, you know, it meets the overall distance standard under those launch conditions. But if you can launch it three degrees higher, it'll go just as far as the old one did. When you give engineers a problem, they're going to solve it in a way that you weren't thinking about. That's what they've, that's what they've done over and over and over and over again. Plus the fact that golfers just continue to get bigger, continue to get stronger, continue to get more athletic. So yeah, the test speed is going to be 125, but the average swing speed on the PGA tour is probably going to be way past 125. Are you getting that 11 degree launch just out of thin air? Have you heard that before? Oh, where did I see that? I think, yes. Because, so reading the latest issue of Jeff Shackelford's quadrilateral, the revised ball testing conditions will be as follows. 125 mile per hour club head speed, equivalent to 183 mile per hour ball speed, spin rate of 2220 RPM and launch angle of 11 degrees. Okay. I had only heard of the swing speed, so I wasn't sure about the launch the launch conditions and the spin conditions. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. That's exactly that's exactly what's going to happen. They're going to create a club that still confirm that conforms mm-hmm. to the current, you know, club specs, but when you hit it this way, it's going to go the same distance. So Right. Um, right. I think, and this is something that actually I've heard from, uh, I've heard from some other folks. I think Ricky Fowler might've revised his position on this a little bit and said, Oh, okay. Well, if we test it this way, we're really just freezing the ball instead of rolling it back. So again, I feel like between engineer, you know, between engineers who make balls engineers who make golf clubs uh biomechanical engineers who teach golfers how to hit the ball as far as possible 
they're going to get they're going to get that you know 13 to 15 yards back pretty quick yeah so again i don't think that that's really going to change a whole lot about how golf is played at the highest level and to everybody who's saying that it's going to make golf more boring even if it does take 13 to 15 yards off of everybody's tee shot well they can move tees up no one says that the tees need to you know no one says the tee boxes need to stay you know tee markers need to stay where they are so if a tournament wants to be driver wedge and the new ball is going to take them back to being driver eight iron they can move the tees up 20 yards or so and go back to being driver wedge yeah if that's what they want nothing is stopping them from moving tees forward even for the pros yeah that's a good point um anything else in the golf ball rollback what kind of golf ball do you currently play so well right now i play no golf ball because i haven't really played in (laughs) in ages i had been so this is interesting to me i had been playing the avx because as you know even though i can swing a driver about 100 miles an hour i hit it nowhere because i hit down on it Mm -hmm. so i try to do everything i can to to take spin to take spin off the ball so it'll be interesting to see for folks like me what's going to happen i also wonder you know with with making golf balls that need to conform under these new test requirements so they're they're gonna be a little bit slower does it let engineers get creative and maybe do some other things because one way to slow a ball down is to make it bigger and as you and i both know for beginners a bigger ball's easier to hit yeah and i know callaway has kind of played around with that a little bit and you know could this could this potentially lead to you know legitimately a beginner ball that is you know that conforms they can say that oh you know this this is at the absolute maximum of performance but it's designed this way and it's easier for a beginner to hit so again when you when you change the rules that engineers have to operate under they're going to come up with a lot of creative stuff so you know in a lot of ways i'm excited to see what happens i'm excited to see what happens but if they really want to roll back if they really want to roll back distance personally i think they ought to make driver head smaller mm-hmm. go back to what you started with go back to what i started with are you sure you're not just a little salty a little bit <laughs> you know i think it would be interesting i think that elite the top of the top could separate themselves more if they you know if you had to play with a a 350 cc head instead of a 460 cc head if you didn't have that what is that thing that Pryson's using? That thing from Crank that mm-hmm. supposedly, as long as he makes contact with the golf ball, he gets the same he gets the same results, he gets the same flight, he's he's staying on the golf course. You know. How much better would your favorite ball striker's favorite ball striker be 
if they were hitting that, you know, like a, a 975J like Tiger used to play. Yeah, how much more would the great ball strikers separate themselves? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's why Tiger's pro roll back, to be honest. Oh, heck yeah, because he hits the ball. He makes better contact. Yeah. Even now, he makes better contact with the golf ball than the vast majority of the guys that he's playing against. They can just swing faster now. That's all. And as long as they lay the club face somewhere on the ball they're getting great results out of it they're not hitting that you know that that spinny heel cut that goes nowhere or that that toe hook that you know just nose dives and only goes 200 yards but goes 70 yards offline and always out of bounds because it never stops running yeah they don't have to worry about that anymore. So. That, All right. That would be fun to see. But. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, what's the, like the worst thing that's going to happen? Like, people aren't going to stop playing the game. No. Right? So, I mean, everyone's got to deal with it eventually. Um, but moving on to the – if two team events come up in the next two weeks, uh, this week we have the Grant – thornton invitational um have you had a chance to look at the field yet i know that there is a field (laughs) yeah i have not i have not looked at it yet i not in detail i know that the uh, the lpga representation is pretty awesome a lot of really great lpga players and i'll keep vamping as i'm pulling up the field list but no, you're uh, good. looks like um, uh you know looks like we've got the top two women in the world playing in it lily avu and celine boutier you know major stars nelly corda lexi thompson rose zhang i'll tell you what i'm i'm loving yeah. I'm loving this field I, list, and you need to keep your hands off my team. I no wait. Yes. wait we, we can share. We can share. Share. How do we share a team? That's my that's my first favorite rose. Even though my second favorite is also in the field, we can share. How about this? Okay. All right. Lay it on. Whoever me. makes whoever makes the most birdies out of Rosang and Sahitagala. I gotta figure out what the format is. Are they doing like the typical like best ball on this day, captain's choice on this day? Are they doing like alternate shot? Like what is, what's the? Um... Oh, this article isn't talking about. Yeah, we gotta figure out format. what the formats are. Overview, nothing. Three day right, competition. I think. PJTour.com, the... oh, we gotta be better. Here it is. Here it is. Got round it. one is scramble. Round two okay. is foursomes, alt shot. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday's final round will feature a modified four ball in which each player will tee off with their own balls, then switch for the rest of the hole. So don't think we can do the most birdies. Say that again. They're doing a modified, modified four, four ball. ball. 
in which each player will tee off with their own balls, then switch balls for the uh, rest of the hole. So it's a shamble. It's kind of a shamble. Although I always thought a shamble was where you take the best tee shot and then you both play in. You're right. From that it's, spot. This is even a weirder. Scramble. Yeah. It's a scramble off the tee and then it's ultimate shot on the way in. This is, it's just, it, it sounds like it's chaos. I can't wait to see it, but. Yeah. I guess it we looks can't like really we do the birdie thing. It looks like we can't share. Okay, that's fun. I'll let you take Rose and Tagala. Um, shoot. I don't know who to take now. Um, do I take the couple? Do I take the happily married couple? No, wait, no. What? No, I'm sorry. Who happily is uh, Danielle? Who's Danielle Kang dating on the PG or married to on the PJ tour? Uh, Mav McNeely. McNeely, that's it, not McCarthy. No, and I that's apologize. Megan. That's Megan Kang, not. Uh, not is Daniel it really? Kang. Oh, that's a bad look for me. <laughs> that's a real bad look for me. K H A N G, um, not K A N G. Oh, appreciate it. Thanks. Darn. Hey, you I got you take... got your team England there with your second favorite Rose. Yeah, I'm just not a fan of Charlie. Um. I guess I'm going to have to take Finau and Nelly or Finelli. Have you seen that? <laughs> I haven't seen that, but that's I probably not a bad pick. Big Tone didn't play too bad last week, did he? No, no, he played well, yeah. He bucked his head a little bit. I think that could be okay. Nelly needs to get off the snide. I know he. she's been uh, She's been kind of fighting injury, though, hasn't she? Uh, I'm not sure. Ever since she kind of switched to Taylor Maid, I think she won... Um, like her first or second starts in switching to TaylorMade, but she's been struggling with the equipment since. I yeah. think she's also, I think she's playing a Titleist driver mm-hmm. instead of the Stealth. Yeah. Um, which is another thing I forgot um to mention. Obviously, it's equipment season. Um, Scotty Scheffler on f- shoot, Scotty Scheffler on Thursday was playing the new TaylorMade QI. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I believe he went with the Stealth for the rest of the week, um, which isn't crazy news because the driver literally just they just got it in their hands um, in the past few weeks and it hasn't been released yet to the public. Right. But um, just something to note. Yeah, you're right. Not super. Not super surprising as far as that goes. But. Uh, yeah. So I'll take. Uh, Nelly and Fino. Okay. I actually, this is this is going to be an interesting week uh, weekend for golf. I might watch this. We got Ricky and um, Lexi together. Ricky and Lexi got team uh, team Puma. Let's see. You got Lily Avu with Joel Damon. I feel like they're almost handicapping her. Man, Mike, the Gala and Rose are plus one thousand. I might have to, I might have to slide and ride on that one a little bit. I think you might, yeah. Plus one thousand, really? I don't get that. It makes no sense. Yeah, like I think they're definitely a stronger team than, you know, currently Nelly Quarter and Tony Fino. Oh yeah. Definitely stronger than Rose and Hall. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Rose Zhang had some decentish finishes 
down the stretch, didn't she? I mean, nothing, nothing great, but I mean, didn't she have a couple top fifteens? Yeah, I, I think, think she won her first ever event on the LPGA tour. Right. Or, sorry, her first event as a professional. Right. Um, and then yeah, had steady, steady golf for the rest of the year. Yeah, and I thought I heard her name come up a couple times, like at the Pelican and. You know, some some decently high finishes that she kind of she kind of started hitting her stride again. So, yeah, I think that could just be a a, a birdie fest. I can't wait to watch. Yeah. All right, I'm looking at the live current odds, and now they're up to plus twelve hundred. Might have to do a little some some action there. Um, I think you might. But yeah, anything else going on in the world of golf? We'll have the PNC the following week. Uh, uh, the Live Promotions event is this week, is it not? You're gonna have to talk me through that one because I got no clue what you're talking I about. I think that's the I think Live Q School is this week. Oh, is this the thing they've been talking about for the last few weeks about how this guy might get cut from the team and they're picking up trades here and there is that what this is well and then i mean they've been doing some of that and then i think this week is the way for you to play yourself on and uh luminaries such as uh i think jason duffner is playing in it yeah I think, yeah, I did hear something about how you can play in this qualifier, but even if you don't qualify, like, you can come back to the PGA Tour. Yeah. No the, issues at all, so. Yeah, that, I think because it's not an official event, they're not dropping the band hammer on uh, guys who are playing. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. I think that's pretty much all we got. I think that's pretty much all we've got in the world of professional golf. So, Giants-Packers. Yes, sir. Tommy DeVito. What a legend. Did you see his family at the game watching two weeks ago? Awesome. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, talk about right out of your backyard. Yep. Um. Yeah, but the Packers are on fire. Um, I, I took the Chiefs to beat the Packers on Sunday night, and yeah, Jordan Love went out there and looked like Aaron Rodgers. So I don't know. Like I, I'm not the biggest fan of Aaron Rodgers. So if Jordan Love can come in here and take Green Bay to the playoffs and potentially make a run, like I'd be ecstatic. I'd be happy to see it. I just don't know, honestly. Do I keep my hopes up? Is there a way we could win out? Or the, are we the Giants? Or are we playing are we playing for the pick? Man, we're right. Like we tried to lose to We tried to lose to New England, but they gave us that game. Um so now we're just awkwardly sitting at four wins, I believe. So yeah. I don't know what we do. It's it's really I I'm worried that we're gonna find a way to go seven and nine and you know lose a shot at a really great pick but also you know it's kind of a nothing season and and Dable's neck is on the uh, the chopping block so I don't I don't think it is I think he's you think he gets one more I season I don't think this yeah I don't think this season determines it for him I think it'll be okay. next season 
Okay. So, well, ladies and gentlemen, that's your New York Giants minute. <laughs> that's all they get, just the one minute. Uh, you want to talk college football? What are your thoughts on Florida State not getting in? Do the games matter? Do the games matter? I think that's I think that's the big question. You know, I could make an argument just as easily to say that they went out there and they beat a pretty decent Louisville team with their third string quarterback. So, you know, don't tell me that, oh, they're not one of the best teams in the country because they're playing their third string quarterback. I, I really feel like it's it's a pretty big it's a pretty big slap in the face to them that they could go undefeated, they could win every game, they could do everything that was asked of them. And because of an injury, they're not going to make it. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, I think that's completely BS. I think it really does highlight the fact that they need a better playoff system, which we're we're going to be getting. They need a playoff system like the one we've had in the football championship series for, I don't know how long, as I sit here in my William and Mary sweatshirt. I'll, you know, so I'm I'm glad that the FBS is just finally catching up to us. Let me ask you this question, Mike. Don't they make their own schedule? Like, obviously, you have to play the ACC schools that are in your is it division. Or, like, they do, like, an east and west, don't they? Or maybe mm-hmm. north and south. I don't know how it works. Um, but outside of that, don't you get to pick who you play? You do. So they chose to play LSU early in the year, and they beat them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what other games they scheduled for themselves. But when you make your schedule and you make it that easy, like everyone knows the ACC is soft. It's right. a soft conference. You don't have Clemson to hang your hat on. Duke UNC is hit or miss. I think they've been pretty decent the last few years. Um, Miami isn't what it used to Not be. Virginia Tech be. isn't what it used to be. Right. So the ACC is soft. Like, we get that. Knowing that, and knowing that strength of schedule comes into play when they make these selections, how do you not throw one or two more, you know, challenging top 25 teams on your calendar? I think because in the past, the undefeated record mattered, and the undefeated record carried the day. That's what's so interesting to me here is that it's, you know, they really did go against precedent. Now, there were two precedents that were colliding. One is, do you leave out an undefeated Power 5 conference champion? Or do you leave out someone from the SEC? And this is where if it really is Power 5, then why did you only have four spots? You know, no one said Mm -hmm. that they could only have four spots. The NCAA decided this. They could have always had six or eight or, you know, they're moving to 12. But, you know, they were the knuckleheads who decided, okay, four spots, five power conferences. We need to hope for something bad to happen to at least one of the conference champions every year 
to get us out of this mess. And, you know, for a long time that's happened until it happened this year. You know, what I think is hilarious is you've got, (laughs) you've got Georgia saying that they should be in because they're one of the four best teams in the country. And you know what they might be. And in a six team tournament, they'd have a shot to prove that. Um, I've had a lot yeah, of fun. Sir. I've watched a lot, of wa- a lot of Washington this year, surprisingly. I don't know why, except mm-hmm. that their games are on. And they are a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I think it's high-powered offense, and they mm-hmm. play. They got super. They didn't get lucky. I guess we got lucky that the Pac-12 was so competitive this year. Yeah. With Oregon, USC. Um, obviously, Colorado to start the season was, was pretty decent. Um do you leave so you put Florida State in are you saying Alabama doesn't get in I say that again I mean I'm a big you know you know me I'm a big tradition big history buff kind of guy I think that if the games matter Florida State gets in and Alabama doesn't Alabama had a loss Alabama had to pull one out of there you know what to beat Auburn, you know, is Alabama one of the six best teams in the country? Absolutely. Are they one of the four? Nah. Okay. That's de- that's debatable. You know, you're asked to go out and win every game, and Florida State went out and they won every game. So, um, so how about Alabama you? Where, versus? Where are you at? I, I don't think Texas should have gotten in. Um, that's just where I mean, I'm kind of rooting for Alabama in this whole thing. I like to see – I was rooting for them to beat Georgia because I wanted this exact situation to happen to where the committee was going to have to make a tough decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was rooting for them against Georgia, and I was happy that they got in. Um, let me ask you this. Florida State versus Alabama. Who's the underdog? Florida State versus Alabama. Florida State's the underdog. They play right, that game. What's, what's the spread? They play that game. I think the spread is... Eh, field goal, maybe a little more... Yeah, I think you play that game a hundred times. Alabama wins. Yeah, Alabama wins two thirds of the time. Alabama wins sixty-seven out of a hundred. I do think Florida State wins some of them. Yeah, if you play that, if you play that game a hundred times, Florida State wins, not more than half, but a a reasonable number of those games. And again, and I think this is why this, this, this highlights the need for a bigger field. And, you know, no matter how big you make the field, someone's always going to complain that they don't get in, but you know, what's it going to 12? Yeah. I think, I think at that point, if you're the number 13 team, you don't really have a chance. If you're the number five or number six team, you've got a puncher's chance of going out there and getting hot and winning a couple games and making things interesting. And honestly, this is why I hope Washington can find a way to continue 
to just play the kind of football that they've been playing and win it all. I think that would be hilarious. Especially with their conference ceasing to exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I think going back to the Alabama-Florida State, I think Alabama wins 80% of those games. Um, and I think the spread would be minus eight and a half. Wow. No respect yeah. for Florida State. None. I just think the SEC is that much better than the ACC. Generally, yes. I think you run into a potential TCU situation, and that's what they're trying to avoid. Did you watch the championship game last year when Georgia took down TCU? I sure did, and it was painful to watch. Right. It was painful to watch in in a lot of ways. And again, I think that's where a bigger field weeds this out. A TCU doesn't get to the championship game. Yeah. They get their chance, but if they're not able to execute, they're not making it in. Because it's not just one win. One win can be kind of fluky. But if you've got to win a couple games to get in, that's where the best of the best are going to separate themselves. Anybody can go out and win one game, but if you've got to go out and win two just to get into the championship, yeah, that's that's where you can separate yourself. Yeah, it'll be interesting next year because I believe they're going to have home field advantage like certain teams. Um, and I think that's fine. I think that's great. You know, I'll, I'll say again, you know, going back to FCS football, that's a heck of an environment. That's a heck of an atmosphere. When you've got a home a home playoff game, it's awesome. There's there's nothing like it. So to have a home playoff game in the FBS division, that's going to be just nuts. Absolutely insane. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. All righty. Anything else in the sports world that you want to discuss i don't know and we've we've gone on for an hour and 10 minutes if listeners are still hanging out there man my my hat is off to them yeah we appreciate you uh yeah we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up for you all um there is a new youtube video coming out this week madison reviewed the oh man see this is why we need him here we, we, we filmed this two weeks ago, and now I can't remember the name of the golf ball. Um, shoot. This is a bad look. Was this the Piper? No, Piper video came out Piper's up. That's already. Right. This is – it's a green box, and he's going to kill me, man. This is – you know what, Madison? You can't because you're not here. So, That's right. Uh, golf ball up. review <laughs> golf ball review coming out this week uh check it out um madison's been doing a great job with these product reviews um, that's check off us out on youtube yeah check us out on youtube and it's in- oh, i'll talk about this real quick if you watch the piper did you watch the piper golf video i'm going to watch the piper video okay if just uh just a little heads up for you he's 
struggling with the driver right now and he's putting himself out there like he knows he's not hitting it well but we're going in the track man and he's hitting shots and he's hitting a bit of a a fady blocky slicey ball at the moment um but he's he's grinding through it he's getting the content out there for you all so um if you if you're listening to this and you and you you're hearing this put a youtube comment under the Piper golf video and just say thank you to Madison for, uh, for putting himself out there. Um, but with that being said, new video coming out this week, another golf ball review. Um, check us out on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, X, um, all at two and one golf or two and one golf podcast. And we'll catch you all next week. <laughs>